Good morning. I'm not sure if your church was aware what you did when you invited me. This is very dangerous to invite me. If you would be in a church in Istanbul, you would have a two-hour-long worship time, and then a 45-minute sermon, all in English, then they have a 50-minute tea break, and then they do the whole thing again in Turkish. So the church has three hours service. What I'd like to do first, um, pastor asked me to share a little bit about what OM, and I will tell you basically two things. First of all, the vision statement. OM wants to see vibrant community of Jesus followers among the least reached. And that, past, that statement makes we are very exclusive where we go. Certain things we are not going. Just as an illustration, away, this morning I got a text from a Spanish pastor in Winnipeg, and he said he has a friend. He was a pastor in Cuba. He wants to go to Spain. I said, wow, exactly. Cuba has 8% Jesus followers. Spain has less than 1% Jesus followers. So it makes sense. A second thing what I want to mention is just about my table. I have some books there. And one book on my table I want to recommend very highly is Europe Restored Hope. Sometimes when you think about missions, even in the songs, we talked about the Amazon, African plains, and Asia, but what about Europe? Europe is the least rich continent in this world. And then I want to recommend another book, not on my table, on the table from the, my brother and sister from The Voice of the Martyr. It's called God's Hostage. It's a story about a missionary in Turkey who was ministering many years, and then he got accused falsely he was almost two years in jail. Why do you mention Turkey? Because all the donations you gave for books, books are free, but if you want to give a donation, and actually everybody gave me a donation more than a book is worth. And all these will go to a project. This is an insult. This is a New Testament in Turkey. 500 of these copies are sent out from Istanbul all over Turkey a week, 500 New Testaments. And another factor about that ministry, there were in 2019, a quarter million Turks were visiting evangelistic websites and 1.2 million pages of Bible-centered material was seen on the internet. So we have now tools at that time they didn't have. And so that's what I want to say about OM, and you can come and talk to me. I have another very dangerous item on my table. These are about six or seven or eight cards about countries to pray for. Why do I say it's dangerous? I'll tell you the story about a, a couple from Mitchell, Manitoba, close to Steinbeck. But 15 years ago, they were looking on a map, 
and their finger landed on a city in the province of Siva in central Turkey. And they prayed for it, and then they got in touch with me. I, I networked them with people there. And then the 25th anniversary, they actually went visiting that. Because when you pay, pray day for day for a country, eventually you want to see, how is it there? And guess what they do now? Victor and Irene and their two younger sons, teenage sons, they made a decision and last February they went to Turkey. And they're now in Turkey. So that's why I'm saying it's very dangerous to start praying for a country. When I was asked to speak on this passage in Romans, I was just curious, what went on to Paul that he came up with this? Chapter 9, 10, 11, Paul basically focuses on Israel. But I felt he could not hold back. There's more than Israel. There's more than our little group here. And we are not a little group here. There are people out there. And I have sometimes come across quotes, and I write them on cards like this. And that card that I have in front of me is direct next to my laptop. And the writer says, Nick Ripken, who served in Somalia beside other countries, he said, the only place on the globe people are not coming to Christ is the places we refuse to go. Again, if you refuse to go as a church, and I don't know, when was it the last time you commissioned someone to go overseas to places where people don't know Jesus? On my cell phone, my safe, whatever picture, is a young lady. And it was when she was commissioned to go in global ministry. And that's who later became my wife. I want to illustrate this whole passage where Paul says these four questions. And sometimes we, we have just four questions, perhaps not the answers. How shall they call upon him? How should they believe? How should they hear? How should they preach? In 1975, I was assigned to a team of boys only to go in a city of about 7,000 people. They have so many Christians. They had so many churches. None. And we didn't have a place to go. We ended up as putting up a tent on a yard next to a, a farmer. And they were gracious enough to let me there, let us there. Can you just imagine, you ladies, there are guys between 18 and 25, guys only. They do their own cooking for three weeks. If they had money, actually the Dutch fellow on that team said this was an involuntary semi-fasting for three weeks. And we had to do our own laundry. We didn't have a laundry machine. We had to go to the creek. And another thing, when we went door to door, tried to tell them about Jesus, we experienced darkness. Can you imagine in a city there's not a single Christian? And we had a tough time. In a way, I don't know why my leader sent me actually there. And then I had, and some people know me a little more, they know 
Christoph has a lot of crazy ideas. I had a crazy idea. I would not recommend you, you do that here in Swift Current. I took a stack of tracts, went in the Roman Catholic Church, and they had a book table or a literature table where they had stuff how to pray better to Mary and all that stuff that has nothing to do with the Bible because the Catholics are known. They want to keep that book away from them because they know if people start reading the book, they don't believe in their false teaching anymore. And so I put that, this was July 75, I went back to, and I had two prayer requests. I said, Lord, let the priest not remove them. Because I felt if we'd seen it, he would 100% remove it. And Lord, perhaps, this was a secondary baby, perhaps someone will pick it up and read it and whatever. Then in the fall, I went back on another OM team. I was leading a team in another city. And I met the lady who is now my wife for over 45 years. And I would not say I forgot, but from time to time I prayed. In the coming July, we had about 15 teams all over Austria. And after a week of the two months, all our leaders came to Vienna and a field leader had a meeting with us. We, we said, we need this, we need that. And during the first coffee break, a field leader is a tall Dutch fellow by the name of Johan. Johan came walking towards me. He had a funny looking face. Like we have sometime, like as parents or as a teacher to you when you did something wrong. And he started with the words, what did you do in Litzen last summer? I felt, ooh, I'm in trouble. What did I do? I mean, I didn't do bad things. Then he said, did you put a stack of tracks like this? And what he indicated to me was about half. What I said, no, no, I put in more. Then he told me a very amazing story. A farmer I never met yet. Over the summer when I was in Litzen, he, he never met me. He took care of sheep and goats up on the hill. And in the fall, he came down as a good Catholic. He went to the Catholic Church. He picked up one of my tracts, ordered Bible's Corinthian course, and accepted Jesus. The next summer, a team was there. They met him as a Christian. And they said, how did you become a Christian? Oh, I found the tract in the Catholic Church. If I wouldn't do that crazy thing, he wouldn't be saved. It says, how shall they hear without the preacher? When it says preacher, that can mean giving out the tract. How can they hear without the message? I have an amazing young lady, my firstborn child. Her name is Joy. Five years of her life, she lived in Austria, eight years in Canada, including four or five years here in Swift Current. And then he moved back to Europe, and she lived basically five years in Germany. And then she came back to Canada. I mean, where is she from? She's one of these third culture kids, missionary kids. And you wonder, what is she doing now? She went on a six-month short-term trip. This is not short-term six months anymore. To Spain to work at the Christian camp. 95% of these kids at that camp are from total non-churched. They are, have no idea about Jesus. And they find Jesus. 
And the people there in Spain liked her so much, they said, hey, go back to North America, become a full-time member of a mission, actually a different mission, and then come back. And everything went smooth until she raised money. And she didn't make it. But one thing, when I look at my daughter, she had a vision going to Europe, no matter what. She never lost, lost sight. And another thing that was in her favor, she didn't have a boyfriend. Do you know a boyfriend can distract you as a girl, as a lady, to go? By the way, missionaries on the, in the world around, the girls outnumber the guys six to one. So for one guy, there are six ladies. And she's still a single. And then she was leading teams to various parts in Europe, like Latvia and Eastern Europe, France, and then twice in Scotland. And the people there loved her so much. By that time, she had a degree in accounting. And the church there said, hey, come over. We'll find a job for you. You have to come and help us with youth and children ministry in Irvine, Scotland, which is outside of Glasgow. And guess what? What is she doing now? Where does she live now? She lives in Irvine, Scotland for the last five years and does ministry. Sometimes people are get distracted. I'm not going into details. I know two girls. One girl wanted to go to Turkey. Wow, made me very happy. She's now married in Vancouver. Another girl wanted to go to Czech Republic to teach English at a school that we have there. She's now married and she lives in New Brunswick. Both got distracted by their husbands. That's a challenge. When I think about this passage in Romans 10, I came up with a formula. A small phrase, it's my copyright, uh, but you are free to use it. I wrote down in large letter in my notes, it's the whole gospel for the whole church by, uh, to the whole world by the whole church. We have to think beyond a little things. Even if I look at the world map that you have in the lobby, there's an area, it's called North Africa, Middle East, Arab Peninsula, Central Western Asia, and you can ask me afterwards, countries like Kazakhstan, Tajikistan, and then all of Europe. Do you know how many missionaries the Church of the Open Bible has there right now? None. They had once a couple. And I met them in Austria. And their name is Ray and Linda Arndt. They actually worked with the same mission as I did. And I would encourage you, that phrase, the whole gospel for the whole world by the whole church. Write that on a card, just like that card. Write it in dark letters that you can read it all the time and put it on your fridge. And each time, I don't know what you have in your fridge. We have pictures of our grandkids, pictures of souvenirs, places I went to, like Greece and Turkey and Serbia, and paintings, and we have also prayer cards. I would encourage you, the whole gospel to the whole world 
by the whole church. And I was wondering, how can I bring that across, that passage, these four questions? And some people last night, they said there could be a, four, a fifth or a sixth question. But I think it's basically a part of one of the questions. And what I did, I turned them around. Not how shall they, because, and I started at the end. I wrote down, because we are sent, we will preach the gospel message. But so how many people feel I am sent by God? Yeah, a few. Actually, last night we sang a song based on John 20, 21, where Jesus says to his disciples, just as the Father has sent me, I send you. And I believe whatever Jesus said to his disciples, that included us. So we are sent to preach the gospel. I mean, there's sometimes a question, where should we go? And how do I get a passion? Do you need a specific call, a voice from the Lord? At night, you should go there and there. I tell you, my own experience was, I have two countries I'm very passionate about, and I have the flags on my table. That's Austria and Turkey. Austria is about 8 million people. A half percent of the people follow Jesus. 80% in Austria are involved in occultic practices. So if you talk about darkness, it's darkness. I didn't have plans in 1972 to go to Austria. I didn't have a, a five-month plan. In five months, I'm in Austria. I was listening in at a report about the team, and that was just a visit. I said, hey, I'm not part of you. But towards the end, he looked around, the same Johan, the Dutch fellow, and he looked around in the room. He said, you go to this team, you go to this team. And then he said, and you go to that team. And I said, no, I'm not going. Oh, why not? 48 hours at time to make a life-changing decision. And I went to Austria. I had no clue. I thought, they speak German just like I do. Whoa, I got surprised. I will not go tell you all the words that use different. And the same in, in 2007. I was supposed to go on a mission trip just to see how the work is done in Tajikistan. Tajikistan is a little mountain country north of Afghanistan, west of China. So you would know somewhere in Central Asia. And then suddenly it was canceled. And instead, we went to Turkey. And that triggered a passion for that country. When we say, and I won't go on this, the whole gospel, the whole world, and the whole church. Now, the gospel is actually very simple. I have a wristband here about the wonderful way to share the gospel. The gospel across the city, across the world. It's called One Wish for You. And I won't go into any details, but I have a tract in the wristband. I will give you pastor the tract. And it was created by a guy of Richard Sharp. And he, I met him in Athens in 2019, and he promised me he would go anywhere in Canada, a church, to train them on a Friday, Saturday to do evangelism, with one condition. On Thursday, he wants to meet all the church leaders, all the pastors, and he will train them. I mean, why not invite him 
to swift current. When we think about the whole world, I want to focus a little bit on one area that is one of the least reached areas in the world right now. And you would guess it is somewhere in Europe. It's the Balkan. That is the former countries of Yugoslavia. As example, that is Slovenia, the first country. Slovenia has 0.1% Jesus followers. That means if Slovenia would be swift current, we would have 16 believers in all of swift current. Perhaps a little more than these. There would be not a single person believer at Bridgeway Church, at Trevia Alliance, and Eastside Church, and all these other evangelical churches here in town. 16 people would live Jesus follower if we compare it to Slovenia. Another country is Serbia. And I was in, four years ago in Serbia. And at that time, refugees came from the east, from Syria, from Iraq, and yes, from Afghanistan already that time. And what did we do? We, we had a job, we put up tents. Now when I say tents, we put up six tents. One tent was about the size of this sanctuary. And now I see pictures and videos how refugees are hosted there, people from Afghanistan. When you hear refugees, what do you feel? What do you think what they experience? One morning there in Serbia, we, we asked kids to draw some pictures. And one little girl, a five-year-old girl, drew a picture. It was a boat who was sinking. And I asked that little girl, that five-year-old girl, what does it mean? Oh, this is my cousins. Uh, I have tears when I say this. My cousins, they drowned. They didn't make it from Turkey to Greece and the high sea. Another area I want to mention, not too much, Montenegro. Montenegro has a population of the city of Winnipeg, perhaps uh, 650,000, perhaps that's together, Saskatoon and Regina together. They have 100 Jesus followers in a few very small churches. 100 for 650,000 people. Another country I was, I want to mention, is Greece. Greece has 0.4% Jesus followers. And one of the ministries we are involved in is with refugees and people who come out or involved in the sex trade. Sex trade is the second largest business, so to speak, in the world. Next year is a truck. And I always heard about sex trades happen all over in Greece in Athens. We were partnering with um, Piraeus Evangelical Church. And outside the church, there was a park, just like north of the, your building. There's a little green spot. There was a park. And one morning at 10 o'clock, I was waiting for my team member. Uh, a young lady walked by. I didn't pay the attention. But then I looked two minutes later. She was on the park bench. 
with all the men, and he was not her grandpa. It was her first customer. Human trafficking is not something numbers in their mind. I saw it firsthand. And I mentioned in the past, they said, oh, no, no, that doesn't happen. The park is used in the evening for drug dealers, but there's no prostitutes. I said the same story to my wife. My wife is the coordinator for Freedom Challenge, that is the anti-human trafficking. And she said, you saw right. How, how can we be involved in missions? I want to, and we'll close with that, with three things. I said the whole church has to be involved. I have a friend, Heather. She goes once a year on a mission trip. Not once a lifetime, once a year. Actually, I have a friend, a pastor in the States. He says, if you give 5% of your time to a global mission trip, you will go two weeks a year. And Heather is not part of that church, but she goes to pray. And I want you before, if you want to pray for a country, like I have a card from Morocco, no, Montenegro, a card from Libya, Pakistan, many others, and actually some recipes. So you could ask your husband to do the cooking. Perhaps you say, oh, this, is, this will not happen. Actually, I think it could happen. There's a picture, uh, a card about Kuwait, and there's a recipe about chicken, rice, dinner from Kuwait. Kuwait is one on the Arab Peninsula where the hardcore of Islam is to pray. You cannot be too young, you cannot be too old to pray. Think about Irene and Victor. They started praying and then they, they said, I want to see it. Secondly, to give. To give your missionaries that you as a church support. But also if some of your church decide, oh, I want to go on a mission trip. Like perhaps two months from now. Serbia has ongoing one week campaigns to help at that refugee camp that they helped put up and to go. If you think you're not gifted, I would say whatever your talents are, and sometimes you, you have to go out on the limb. One of the gifts I don't have is singing or dancing. We were in Greece and we had a dance team coming there were four, uh, two older ladies in their 50s and two girls, 20-something, and girls did hip-hop. Guess what I did? I showed them hip-hop dancing. And my pastor back home heard about this. He said, I want you to have a proof, and actually had a proof. And actually a lady, the leader of the band, said, you did a good job. And then we gave out balloons. I ended up actually talking with a Muslim from Syria. The challenge is because there are people who did not yet hear, people who had not the privilege to hear, and unless we go. Again, that passage, that quote, the only place on the globe people aren't coming to Christ are the places we refuse to go. And there are many places in the world where the Christians are, just like Slovenia, 0.1%. Or actually, Montenegro is 0.08%. I 
I want to challenge you. Can you be involved? I mean, I talked to the youth pastor, and perhaps something is in the working. Once in a lifetime or once a year? Perhaps once a year, this is very challenging. But once a lifetime, then you want to go back. Since I rejoined OM, I was almost every second year on a mission trip. There was a time where I wasn't because I had a problem with my passport. Something happened. The second time I was in Turkey, I shouldn't tell you, but someone liked my, my wallet so much, and for whatever reason, I had my citizenship card in my wallet, and it was gone, and it had to be replaced. But there are people out. One out of four in our world are Muslims. And I have a sheet, 10 things you need to know about Muslims. And come to my table and talk to me. We need to pray and seriously pray because our missionaries are counting on us. We need to give like that other people, like that more people will have a New Testament in Turkey. And some of us have to go. Let us close. And I want to close in prayer, and then I think we come for a closing hymn. Our God and Father, we thank you that you give us your word. Thank you that we are your children, are following you. That you send us, sometime across the street and sometime across the lake, sometime across the ocean, to places where people never, will never hear about you unless we are willing to go. And God, Father, I thank you right now that people in Turkey are opening their hearts. I see all the New Testaments who are fed up with Islam, who want to know more, who realize they need more than that. God, Father, I pray for Christian workers around the globe who are right now in the darkness and they are small light, may be encouraged, and may be we following you to live up to being sent to proclaim your word in whatever means. We thank you in your name. Amen.